Welcome to the spirit world, answering your questions on angels, demons, and how the spiritual and physical worlds interact. And now your hosts, Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. Well, hi there, and welcome to the spirit world. I am Debbie Giorgiani with religious demonologist Adam Bly, and hopefully you today. We are opening up the phone lines. We have Lori and Carol in place, ready to answer your calls, and we're talking all about Lenten disciplines today. Do you want to have your best Lent ever? Well, this is the program to listen to. We're on Facebook and YouTube, so Adam, please wave to everyone. Get those chats going, you guys, and you can add your comments there as well and our senior producer Tim Mott will take care of those but Adam before we begin with diving into Lent we always begin with the Saint Michael prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Saint Michael the Archangel defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil may God rebuke him we humbly pray and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So on Facebook and YouTube, you can leave your comments there, and Tim Mott will pick those up. Also, uh, Lori and Carol are, are ready to answer the calls. Adam is going to do a brief teaching on Lent for all of us, and then we will go to the phone. So here is the number. Jot this down, and then call in when it's appropriate. Ready? 877 757 9424. That's 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. You can tell us your Lenten practices, or maybe uh, what you do during Lent, or what your pastor has suggested for Lent. We want to hear from you, or maybe you have some questions about Lent. We can point you to the right uh, places for you to get additional information. Don't forget to like us on Facebook if you're not there yet at the Spirit World Podcast. But Adam, this show goes very, very fast. So if you could dive into Lent, we want to have our best Lent ever. Okay, Deb. So, you know, Lent's a a challenging time. Um, It can be challenging to get our head around it. And I want to hopefully unpack this in a way that we do more than just give something up with without really understanding why we're doing that. Okay, so let's start as always, let's start in Scripture. So in Scripture, total fasting, complete fasting is done when you're waiting for something important. That's when we see that in Scripture. And that's fasting from everything, from eating anything. So that would be like a water fast. This is uh, still done today in the hour before receiving the Eucharist, before going to Mass. We are expected to fast completely during that time. So that's a complete fast. Abstinence is different. Abstinence is not consuming something in particular. So maybe giving up chocolate or giving up coffee, that type of thing. Um, Many times not eating meat is, you know, what is prescribed by your particular bishop's conference. So that's abstinence. So why is that important? And why did we start here? The first abstinence ever was from eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. That's the first time God said, I want you to not eat this particular thing. You can, you can eat other foods, you can live in, you know, in a normal way, but you can't eat that. The failure of that abstinence, that Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is what caused original sin. That was the fall of Adam and Eve, and it leads to our fallen nature today that we experience. So what did they do when they did that? They lost self-control, they lost discipline, and they disobeyed God. 
So therefore, our fallen human nature that we experience today is primarily about losing self-control, losing discipline, and we have an inclination to disobey God, just as they did. Okay, now that sounds, okay, that's a little bit of a downer, but it's truth. And let's run through a little bit of Romans 7 where Paul gives us a very good description of what this feels like and what it's like to wrestle with this fallen human nature. So Romans 7, 14 to 25. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold into slavery to sin. What I do, I do not understand. For I do not do what I want, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I concur that the law is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that good does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh. The willing is ready at hand, but doing the good is not. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil I do not want. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So then I discover the principle that when I want to do right, evil is at hand. For I take delight in the law of God, in my inner self, but I see in my members another principle at war with the law of my mind, taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Miserable one that I am, who will deliver me from this mortal body? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore I myself with my mind serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. Okay, so he's essentially saying that even here, here's Paul who wrote, you know, a third of the New Testament. He's wrestling with sin. He finds that sin wells up from his flesh in his body. His mind is oriented to the law of God, but he finds that it's in his nature to pursue sin. Okay, so we shouldn't feel bad that we have the same struggles today. Okay, so Paul was going through this. Everybody goes through this. Any thoughts on that, Deb, before I move on to the specifics of Lent today? Well, I'm... Uh, I'm so grateful to you that you started with Genesis and then moved to uh, Romans, um, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Very important for all of us to understand this, that this this grappling of um, trying to understand, trying to deal with these sins that that keep rising up and where it all where it all started from. So and that 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 pertains to all of us, Adam. So we need to understand how we can um, deepen our spiritual life to master those habitual sins to to overcome sin. So yeah, please continue. I love I love the angle that you're taking. Okay, so how does the church? kind of give us some advice on how to do exactly what Deb, what you just said there. So Lent is 46 days. It's 40, not including Sundays. So we on Sundays, we're not thinking about Lent because the bridegroom is with us, right? So we're, we're with Jesus in the Eucharist on those Sundays. So it's total of 46 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter. Now, in, in the Bible, 40 days means a time of testing, a time of trial, or sometimes it's just used to refer to a long time. So, you know, the 40, the 40 years in the desert as a reference to, the, to a long time. Lent for us in the church today is a time of repentance for our sins, especially the habitual sins that we do all the time and, and we keep falling back into. And, you know, footnote there, remember repentance requires a commitment to, to stop doing it. So it's not just I say I'm sorry, but I know I'm not going to make any effort to stop this. I just say I'm sorry over and over and over. You need to make a commitment to stopping the sin in some way. You need to move towards that. Well, and Adam, let me jump in right there. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say that you need a definite plan, an intentional plan? 
For sure, for sure, okay. and we're, okay. we're going to get to that. Okay. So also, it's repentance, but it's also a time to prepare for Easter, okay? And this is when the gospel story culminates with the resurrection of Jesus. It's a time of training ourselves spiritually to get better and stronger in our spiritual lives. And it's a time of trusting God's grace more and cooperating with that grace that we're receiving as we go through Lent. So it's a number of things. It's repentance, preparing for Easter, getting stronger spiritually, and trusting God even more. Okay, so now we, we circle back to abstinence. So we're encouraged to abstain from something, to give something up. And, and often, even, you know, in my own life, I think of it very simply in those terms, but it's much deeper. This is practicing control over an appetite that we normally just give into. Okay, so I love coffee and I just have coffee without thinking about it. I, I give into it without a second thought. This is this act of giving something up and exercising control over it is bringing more of our life under conscious control, under the control of the rational mind, as opposed to being an unconscious slave to our appetites that Paul seems to talk about, how he's a slave to sin, the sin that rises up in his flesh, his appetites. Okay. So we practice control over small things to get confidence and strength to deal with the big things. So we say, I'm going to give up chocolate, I'm going to give up, you know, this type of bread, whatever it might be. That's a little thing compared to the the whole of life, but it gives us that mental practice, and we know that from psychology too, to start tackling bigger things. We practice control over small habitual sins to get the confidence and strength to start wrestling with the bigger sins, okay? So it's, it's, a, it's a principle of gaining confidence. We're also encouraged to pray more, which can also be a charitable act for others if we pray for other people, pray for souls in purgatory. And finally, we're encouraged to do charitable acts in general, acts that show and practice love of others. All right. And we've talked about this before, Deb, and I don't know if you have a, a reaction, but we've talked about how important it is to find something that's personal, that's concrete, where you're actually interacting with the person when you're when you're doing a charitable act, as opposed to just maybe giving some money to an organization or something like that. Yeah. Make it really from the heart, very genuine. Um, I, I love this soul-to-soul -soul connection. We're going to hit the pause button in a moment, Adam, and I know you have more you want to share about uh, building new habits and things like that so that we can have our best Lent ever. I don't know if anyone else feels this way. I do. <laughs> Lent is very difficult for me. I've been in full-time ministry since um, 1989, and, and Lent becomes a, a very a difficult process, and we want to make it better for you. So please stay tuned in. As a matter of fact, call in. Here's the number, 877-757-9424. If you want to have your best Lent ever, now's the time. Let's discuss it. Let's walk away with a, with a new understanding, a new outlook and getting really excited about Lent. This is your show, The Spirit World, and please stay with us. When you find yourself peering into life's rearview mirror, wondering if your past will forever define you, it doesn't have to. Go to StandTallToday.com and register for your absolutely free consultation with one of our world-class life coaches. 
They can help you get started on a plan forward to living your best life. There's nothing to lose and an entire future to gain. Log on to StandTallToday.com for complete details. That's StandTallToday.com. Does Jesus condemn praying the rosary in Matthew 6, 7 when he says, as the King James renders it, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do? Protestants think so. What's the Catholic response? First, Jesus is not condemning repetitious prayer per se. If he were, well then he would be condemning himself, since according to Mark 14, 39, he prayed multiple times, Father, remove this cup, not what I will, but what you will. But that's absurd. So what was Jesus condemning? He was condemning Gentile prayers, which were mindless repetitious prayers, as the Greek text suggests. The Gentiles recited prayers only to appease their gods. They were, as the RSV translates it, empty phrases, having nothing to do with expressing one's love for the gods. That's what Jesus is condemning, not the repetitious prayer of the rosary. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. Do you want to have your best Lent ever? I do. I really, really do, Adam. So keep going with these. Uh, I love where you're going with this because in life coaching, Adam, we deal with new habits and a plan uh, for having your best life all the time. And that's our ministry uh, work that we do at StandTallToday.com. But Adam, keep going with this because this is important. I think this could be the game changer for all of us during this Lent 2024. Okay. So these changes that we're talking about, abstaining from something, exerting some self-control over something, usually in little things, we can we can learn a little bit from psychology about how to do that more effectively. So really in a sense from another perspective we're talking about changing our habits yes we're talking about avoiding sin um, but when it comes to not eating something it's not that eating that thing was sinful it's a practice to change that habit so we can then apply that discipline and strength to our sins but we know some things about habits from psychology so habits take time to develop there's there's old kind of memes about it being 21 days. It's it's not actually that simple. More recent studies indicate anywhere from 24 to 250 or some days. Another study indicates 66 days. But here's the thing. It depends on the person and how big of a change you're trying to make in your life, okay? So because it depends on that, the smaller things are easier to change and quicker. Here's some advice. The more you repeat the new habit, the better. So doing something daily or multiple times a day is much better than doing it once a week and expecting that to change in your life. Start small. Start simple and doable. Okay, don't try to take on a whole mountain at once and completely radically change a huge thing in your life. Nibble away at it. Small, simple, doable. As your confidence grows, you can tackle larger and larger and maybe more complicated things, but start simple. Set measurable, measurable goals, something that you can point to and say, okay, I know I made it. 
That way you know whether you're actually changing your behavior or not. Okay, so the, these things need to be concrete. It's very helpful. Track your progress in writing or on a device, your phone or something like that. Keep track of it. That's going to help you start building confidence. And here's the tricky one. Reward yourself in some way. All right. Not reward yourself by eating a hamburger after you say, I, I abstain from meat for three days. Isn't that great? And so I'm going to have a hamburger. But reward yourself in another way that's positive and constructive, but obviously not dipping into the thing you're trying to avoid. And these are basic principles from behavioral psychology. And here's the really important one, Deb, and this really applies to the spiritual life and how Lent is useful. Make a plan to incorporate all this into your life in the long term after Lent is over. This isn't just about, oh, I got through 40 days or 46 days and I didn't right. do that. Mm -hmm. But this needs to be a change in our lives moving forward. Yeah. Amen to that. I have a feeling, you know, this is going to be the first time I'm really going to love Lent in over 30 years, Adam. I'm so grateful mm. to you. Thank you. I'll let you know after, you know, on Easter Monday, I'll let you know if the, if it worked. But okay. no, I'm just kidding. You got to keep a sense of humor, folks. You just really, really do. Um, so Adam, great, uh, great presentation on this. I love it. Anything else you want to share? Let's remind our listeners that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my final comment, if I would sum all of this up, Lent is about self-control, being kind to others and praying, okay? And these all help us build ourselves into a, a more mature, a more happy, and a more Christ-like person. And that's a big part of what Christianity is about. So Lent is really about moving towards Christ-like behavior and mm -hmm. Christ-like Christ self-control. And so in that sense, it's a very beautiful time of the year. Yes, it is. And a very powerful, spiritually powerful time of our year as as Catholic Christians. So, folks, um, very important that we um, we enter into this discussion and we walk away from this brief hour that we're spending with one another a little bit changed. I always say this on take two, so I'll say it here. A little bit changed, a little bit closer to God and with a plan and with a plan for Lent. So if you have a question or a comment, or if you want to share your practices, your Lenten disciplines, if you would like to share, um, maybe you just want to um, share that you are, you know, standing with me, that Lent can be very difficult with us. Just face it. It can be, it can be difficult, but we're, we're made to um, evolve and grow. And like Adam said, I, I love the words that you used, Adam, building confidence, you know, trusting God, overcoming those habitual sins. Oh, the takeaways that I have from from your teaching, Adam, excellent, just wonderful. I just love it. I'm going to apply it right away. So let's hear what our listeners have to say. But there is an open phone line if you'd like to jump in and talk about Lent or ask a question, 877-757-9424. This is the point, Adam, if it's okay with you, we'll turn from um, uh, presenting to our um, our wonderful spirit world uh, listeners, and now we'll now we'll hear from them. What do you say? That's awesome. Let's go. Okay. So Kathy is first, and Kathy is in Wenatchee, Washington on EWTN.com. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the spirit world. Hi there. Can you hear me okay? Yes, just fine. Go right ahead. Super. Um, my question is, well, it's kind of twofold. I'm diabetic, but um, I've been following Our Lady from Medjugorje, and uh, for several years I've been fasting, um, uh, but 
then I was diagnosed with diabetes. And so for the last probably eight, four years, I've been just fasting on um, or not eating meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, I know I felt a lot stronger connection and uh, had better spiritual connection with God uh, and more, you know, clear headedness. Um, and uh, when I was just fasting on bread and water or just water, um, but I can't do that anymore. Um, I try just praying more, <laughs> you know, on um, on those days during Lent. But um, I was just wondering, what would you suggest? Is there anything else I can do um, to try yeah. to get to that, you know, get that better connection with God? Yeah, Kathy, that's that's a good question. So, yeah, of course, to to reassure everybody, if you have any medical condition that limits, you know, your ability to to do abstinence or fasting, of course, the church says, you know, forego that and do whatever your doctors are directing you to do. Um, you know, scripturally, fasting with prayer, those two are linked in many times, and there's a reason for that. It, it does make prayer, I think, more present, more intense, the sense of God more present and intense. It, we we do have a clearer head, if, if nothing else, that there, we're not using a lot of our blood supply for digestion. You know, there's more available. The brain is firing in a stronger way. Um, but in terms of seeking that out, I guess what I would suggest, Kathy, um, it kind of depends on your own journey with God and your own personality, but I would suggest if you can, find a Eucharistic Adoration Chapel near you and go there and sit with the Lord in whatever way that is works for you. There's many different ways to do Eucharistic Adoration. Sit with Him, talk with Him just mentally, uh, pray there a little bit, and see if that helps you get back to that deeper connection. What do you think, Deb? I completely, yeah. Kathy, real yeah, quickly, I completely... I completely agree with Adam, but I just want to add one other thing. If you cannot physically get to adoration, I would also recommend having adoration, real-time adoration online, or EWTN has adoration round the clock. I completely agree. Clarity comes from connecting with our Lord. Clarity comes, and I, I totally agree with that, what Adam is saying, and, and that, that should um, help you and boost that clarity, Kathy. Go right ahead. Your final comments. Um, I just want to say thank you very much for the show, and thank you for that, uh, you know, um, answer. Um, it, I believe that was definitely a sign, because we just got our Adoration Chapel. I haven't been able to go yet because of my job, but I'm going to do that. It's a sign. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Holy Spirit's working very fast right now, Kathy. We can see it in ministry. We're seeing it. And a lot of people are talking behind the scenes about it, how, how the Holy Spirit is moving very, very quickly and, and using the radio and television to reach all of us. So uh, we don't believe there's any accident, Kathy. So let us know. Keep us posted, okay? I will. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Have a beautiful Lent. Okay, we're going to go to Gail, and Gail is in, let me make sure I get this correct, Gail is in Kitt County, Michigan on EWTN. Did I get your city right, Gail? Yes, you did. Thank you very much. I feel very blessed. I, I desperately needed to have this conversation. I turned on the radio and heard your topic, and I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, good. Me too. I couldn't wait to have this conversation because I, I, don't, I don't look forward to Lent, Gail. I'm just saying, but go right ahead. So I've, I, I have had some trepidation going to Lent in the past. I just became Catholic last Easter vigil. 
And since then, I've learned and I've personally experienced that the first year of being a Catholic for many people is a, is a challenging time um, because you have a group surrounding you as you come into the church, and a lot of places just don't do a very good job of walking with people right when they come into the church. So I've had a lot of feelings of loneliness. Um, God has supported me. But going into Lent, for some reason right now, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling my normal trepidation, and I'm just feeling, how do I do this as a Catholic, as a brand-new Catholic the first time around? I wish I had somebody that would walk with me the way they walked with me coming into the church. And Lent is just a few days away, and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, Gail, first off, welcome to the church. Um, yeah. welcome, welcome home. You know, welcome mm-hmm. to these early, early times. There is so much to learn in being Catholic. It's such a rich religion and faith because it has 2,000 years of tradition in addition to all that Jesus revealed, all, all the, the various writers of the Bible revealed. So there's so much there. So don't feel anxious or overburdened that you have to do it perfectly the first time or that you're going to get it all the first time around. It's not like that. It's a The reason that the year repeats is because we experience it in different ways at different seasons of our life. So what we get out of it when we're 18 is very different than what we get out of it at 50. And you're going to get different things in different years, and you're going to focus on different aspects of these seasons throughout the liturgical year at different times. So basically, be at peace. Find an aspect of Lent that resonates with you this year and try to understand that. Pursue it with some readings, maybe some good YouTube videos from qualified Catholic speakers and priests. Um, There's a lot of good talks out there that talk about the history of it, where it came from, how people engage in it. Um, But basically, think of it not in terms of this year and I need to get it right, but in terms of how much of this am I going to learn this year, and then next year I'm going to grow a little deeper in it. And, and basically just be at peace. Because the other thing, Gail, and I know I'm talking a lot, is that God's working with you. God's drawing you to himself. And he's going to teach you different things each time that you go through this process. Does mm-hmm. that help? That very much helps. Mm-hmm. And Gail, you have your guardian angel beside you. You know, ask your guardian angel to really help you go deep during this Lent. I, I agree with Adam. Welcome home. This is awesome time for you. And and I would recommend, um, I love to listen to Father Chris Alar. Um, I would look him up. He is he is just an amazing priest. He's a great leader, and he speaks so well on various topics that you can really go deep. When I when I feel a little bit lost, Gail, just a little bit, I will turn to Father Chris Alar and one of his talks, and I am on fire again. So just I don't know if you've heard of, uh, heard of him. Is he with the um, Divine Mercy priest? Yes, yes. Uh huh. Yep. yep. With the brush cut. Yes, that's him. That's him. He's wonderful. And he's on and he's on EWTN um, as well. He's like one of the heads of the uh, community. So he is he's just fabulous. He's really is truly a, a solid leader. And um, I would recommend him. But Gail, we're with you. And here's the thing. Feel the prayers, because when we start praying for you, you're going to you're going to have people come into view that are going to journey with you. God is God is a God of abundance, Gail, and God wants you to feel comforted. That's why we have the guardian angels. So, so just know you have a lot of support on this side of the veil with prayer and with people that are going to come into view, and also on the other side with the heavens. 
heavenly support, the church triumphant. So just, I agree with Adam, be at peace and be on fire for the Lord. And let's see how deep you can go uh, in your spiritual life. What do you say? That sounds great. I really appreciate it. Amen. God bless you. And please, everybody who's listening, pray for the people that come into the church the first year they're in the church, because it's a really, really important time to, um, to support them. And I think Absolutely. most people, I think most people pray as they come into the church and don't remember to continue to pray for them mm-hmm. because they're like newborn babies. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was in religious education for many years. Adam works in his diocese where he lives in Pittsburgh, and we see it all the time. People come in, they have a fire in their belly, they they come into the church, and then it's like, well, now what? You know, I don't have anybody here really, you know, journeying with me, like you said, and we need to step it up. We need to step it up in prayer and, and actual support. I couldn't agree with you more, Gail, and you just shouted it out to the whole world because we're on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, so thank you for doing that, and welcome. Welcome home again. You hear that music? That is the famous spirit world music that all of the spirit world followers love. You guys, you guys are telling us that you actually like the music better than you like us. No, I'm just kidding. You don't say that, but it's close. It's a close second there. But Adam, when we come back, more of the calls of the spirit world listeners about Lent, and we want to have our best Lent ever. So call in 877-757- 9424 and you'll speak to Carol or Lori. They're delightful to talk to. We'll be right back. Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. When it comes to screens and our kids, we parents have a default response. Turn it off and go outside. But have we ever given that advice to ourselves? The first step in helping our children manage technology is to look at our own use of screens. I have to ask myself, how much time do I spend on my phone? Am I spending all my evenings on the computer? Am I a good model for my child or teen when it comes to screens? The time suck of technology is one of the major concerns that parents bring to us. And the first thing we tell them is that we parents have to start with ourselves. If it's a challenge for us to limit technology, how much more challenging will it be for our children, tweens, and teens? Our own struggle should give us empathy with them as we help them manage the challenge of technology. To download our free and newly updated resource on screens and your kids, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Stand Tall is now offering advanced group coaching sessions with master coaches highly trained in life skills. Visit StandTallToday.com and register for one of our upcoming group coaching events. These virtual opportunities are designed to take you to the next level of life in your relationships, career, faith walk, and so much more. Space is limited. Hurry to StandTallToday.com and sign up for one of our advanced group coaching sessions. StandTallToday.com the spirit world continues with debbie giorgiani and adam bly if you have a question for the show call 877-757-9424 
or email tsw at grnonline.com. Are you ready to have your best Lent ever? I am. I'm so excited. I can't wait to, uh, Adam, thank you. I'm so excited about approaching Wednesday with Ash Wednesday to kick off Lent to 2024. This is going to be fabulous. I love the Spirit World listeners and followers. You guys are amazing. Please like us on Facebook if you haven't already at the Spirit World Podcast. And Adam, I'm on Instagram now. So if folks want to find me on Instagram, it's at Debbie Giorgiani. I have a picture and no posts. But um, it's really, it's a chance for me to uh, connect with folks there. And I'm excited about that on Instagram. Also, you can catch the uh, YouTube on GRN online. Don't forget um, to find us there. We're waving to you guys. uh, Make your comments there. And we'll go back to the phones in just a moment. Adam, I just wanted to say that thank you for imparting to us a very uh, deep um, it was brief, but a deep teach, teaching on Lent and what we can do to enter in with a plan and and make it be our most meaningful Lent ever. I love that. Thank you, Adam, for that. Let's go back to the phones. Is that okay with you? It is, Deb, but can I do one thing real quick? I want to mention before we run out of time, uh, we are doing our first event of the year in Dubuque, Iowa with Aquinas Communications on March 2nd. So we're going to be there talking about angels and demons and Eucharistic miracles, meeting people in person. Again, that is in Dubuque, Iowa, with Aquinas Communications on March 2nd. And if people are interested in joining us, they can go to kcrd-fm.org. That's kcrd-fm.org. And I think, Tim, maybe we'll be able to post that on the Facebook page. So if people didn't write it down, they can just check it out there. Oh, that is wonderful. That's our first trip together, uh, speaking on angels and demons for 2024. So I hope everybody mm-hmm. can drive in or fly in to Dubuque, Iowa, you guys. This will be so much fun, and we'll learn a lot together. Okay, David's been waiting so patiently in Cleveland, Ohio, on EWTN.com. Hi, David. Welcome to the spirit world. Yes, um, I'm calling to find out um, on, on uh, Ash Wednesday. First of all, is it mandatory or optional uh, to receive uh, ashes on our forehead? And the second part is, um, why do we uh, receive ashes on our forehead on Ash Wednesday? Sure, David. So, um, and Deb, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is optional. It's not a holy day of obligation. Right. Okay. Right. So it's not a holy day of obligation, David. Um, It's, you know, most people do it, but you don't have to do it. And in particular, you know, if there's some reason you can't make it there, don't don't feel like you did something wrong. It's not a sin. The reason we receive ashes on our forehead is is a reference to the scriptural description of putting on ashes when one is mourning their sins. This is something we see in the Old Testament, um, this idea that uh, it's a reference to mortality in a sense, um, the ashes are, but they're also a reference to repentance. And so since Lent is a time of repentance, this is a symbol of that. And it's done in the form of a cross, of course, as a reference to Christianity and what we're looking forward to in Easter. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a repentance to feel bad, but it's a repentance to prepare for Easter and looking forward to the culmination of our liturgical year. Mm-hmm. 
And a couple things, David, it, it, and Adam is correct. It's not a holy day of obligation, but it is, it is very much encouraged because it, it, it starts, it starts Lent. And also, David, a lot of people who aren't Catholic and aren't even in the church, they also receive ashes as well. It is, it is a common practice, um, around the world. A lot of people enter into that and it, it goes all the way back to Genesis. And so if you get the uh, cross with the blessed ashes on your, um, on your forehead or sprinkled on the top of the crown of your head. Um, it'll maybe the, um, the person dispensing those ashes will say, um, um, turn away from sin, uh, turn back to the gospel or, you know, dust you shall return or something of that going back to Genesis and what Adam was talking about. But the, the interesting thing about it, David, is that it is probably where, where around the world, people of all faiths tend to want to get ashes. It is an interesting thing. It's the highest like rated, um, event, if you will, or experience people want ashes. And so it's important, especially for us as Catholic Christians, if I believe that if we demonstrate that we, we take it seriously, um, we understand the depth of it. We know what it means to repent. We know what it means that, you know, like Adam said, a reminder of mortality, um, also to understand our relationship with God and how we need to repair things and, and, and deepen our relationship. And then Dave, it to wear the ashes in a in a bold way so that we can demonstrate that we're taking it very seriously. However, I will tell you, if you're going to go to mass early in the morning and receive your ashes, please make sure you demonstrate with your behavior that you are in line with, with what you are wearing on your, on your forehead. You don't want to get into any road rage or anything like that. So you see where I'm going with it, David, taking it seriously. What do you say? Yes. Yes, um, uh, th- uh, I, that, that part I understand um, always, um, uh, re- uh, like, uh, Lent is like repent and uh, uh, turn, turn back to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, to, uh, to, to always uh, remember that, that uh, you, are, you are practicing uh, your, your faith and your mortality uh, mm-hmm. as as you uh, as you start your lent wearing the the uh, ashes on your forehead on ash wednesday all the way up to easter easter day right right and in and i i understand actually i learned it from father chris alar i just mentioned father chris alar earlier he actually said that people that are even you know excommunicated they get they can receive ashes so I mean, it's it's something that is open to everyone as a reminder and a, and a deeper understanding. David, you're you're asking some great questions, and I just want to encourage people. Actually, our senior producer, um, Adam uh, Tim Mott, just suggested this that uh, to point people to the usccb.org. That's our. Um, our, our Conference of Catholic Bishops website. They have a whole section there on Lent, on the requirements as you start Lent on Ash Wednesday for fasting and abstinence and, you know, the age requirements, what's mandatory, what's not. There's a whole section of question and answer on the usccb.org. I would highly recommend that folks visit the site prior to Wednesday. What do you say, David? Yes, yes, I definitely will. Um go to that uh, website and, and look up other uh, practices that uh, I forgot uh, from the uh, yeah, United States Catholic bishops uh, mm-hmm. as far as like what you can do and can't do during these 
what, six weeks of Lent? I think it's like six weeks uh, all the way up to, uh, yeah, Easter Day. Holy Thursday is when officially um, this uh, um, holy Holy Thursday is when it uh, when we enter the Triduum. That's when um, Lent um, uh, finishes. Adam, did you want to comment on that? Oh, just to just to say, for those people that are living in other countries or under different conferences of Catholic bishops, of course, you want to check in with the requirements within your region of the world. you know, we're speaking about the U.S. conference because we, we live here in the States. But, um, of course, you just want to be obedient to whatever your conference of bishops has laid out. Right, right. And there's there's sections on the USCCB.org. There's section on, uh, sections on why ashes, you know, wh- how 40 days of Lent, when Lent begins, when Lent ends on, on Holy Thursday. It, it talks all about the various um, elements of Lent, David. There, it's so powerful. And I agree with Adam, where you're living, if you're living in Canada or in Mexico or around the world, and, you know, check with your bishops. But everybody puts out things right before Lent. It's kind of like a, a a document for all of us to to read and to understand better for our own personal life. It's not to add more requirements to us. It's actually to get us to enter in deep, enter into the season deeply. What do you say, David? Final comments? Uh, yes, yes, I agree. It's um, it's it's it's. Uh, um, I always like to uh, uh, repent of the. Uh, as they say, a sin that I keep doing over, or a sin that I want to get rid of. So I just, uh, um, as they as they say, instead of food, just give, try and give that up, and then and then just to remember, uh, after after Lent's all over, just uh, try not to uh, return to that, uh, whether it's a habitual sin or a sin that I just uh, I just want to get rid of, so that I don't carry it with me. Uh, after, uh, when we go back, when we enter back into ordinary time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much, David. Yes, thank you, David. Thanks for calling in and thanks for being a loyal follower of the spirit world. We appreciate it. Have a beautiful Lent. And on the USCCB site, Adam, I just want to stress it again. There is the fasting requirements. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are obligatory days of fasting and abstinence for Catholics. And it talks all about that. And also the Fridays during Lent. It talks about the age requirements, age 18 to 59. It talks about the exceptions. If you have um, a physical disability or something of that nature that you cannot participate in that. So very interesting. I actually uh, went to the USCCB site this morning and I was really pleased on how they laid it out this year. I thought it was wonderful the way they did it because it's easy. It's and they have a question and answer section as well. What do you say? No, that's wonderful. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, and note also um some people think that they're exempt from everything when they're past a certain age. Mm-hmm. But the requirement of, of uh fasting from meat on certain days I believe is still there even if you're you're past the upper end of those years. Mm -hmm. But all those details are there. And and again, check with with your conference if you're around the world. Right, right. Okay, so we're going to go to Grace. And Grace has been waiting patiently in South Bend, Indiana, on Sirius XM 130. Hi, Grace. Welcome. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, As I told the call screener, I developed vertigo after the first of the year. And let me tell you, it's been a very painful process. And the dizziness is subsiding, but now I'm left with balance issues, which I'm working through. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And the thoughts of picking something to give up for Lent is really challenging because I feel like I'm a dartboard and people are just throwing darts at me. You know, it's, I, I don't feel like I can do it logically. And I, I don't, I've, I've given up a lot since the first of the year. I, you know, I've given up my daily walks. I've given up going out with friends. I, because everything is so overwhelming for me because I, I struggle so much with this vertigo and the balance issues. I don't know what to do. I need some guidance going into Lent. What is going to be fruitful for me and to make a informed decision and not okay. something just random? Yeah, Grace. That, so that's a really good question, and I know a lot of us are in the same boat or a similar boat. So here's the thing, and, and Deb, let me know if you agree. Sure. But one of the things that we can do when we're going through a time of, of struggling or difficulty, you know, medical problems, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. let's transform that difficulty, that suffering, what we're already giving up, and roll it into what we're doing. And so take what you're already giving up and turn it into a good in the sense of offering that. Mm-hmm. as what you're going to continue, you know, you're already giving it up because of, out of necessity, but transform it into, in a sense, something positive that may also may help you psychologically a tiny bit in the sense that you're transforming it in, into something positive. And so just offer the things that you're already giving up out of necessity to God in terms of, you know, and, and I can hear it in your voice, not being able to take your daily walk is a suffering for you. It's a loss for you. And so you can roll that into the suffering of Christ as a redemptive suffering and offer that up as part of your Lent. And so basically you're kind of transforming it where it, it, instead of just becoming kind of meaningless suffering that just feels bad and feels like it goes nowhere, we offer that back to God. Does, Does that help a little bit, Grace? That's beautiful. Thank you. You said that so well. Mm hmm. You know, it's interesting, Grace, um, when the life coaching ministry that we do, we always say to our clients, let your suffering work for you rather than against you. So many times we have all these things that are coming at us, like you, you were saying about the, like the darts and all this kind of things. They're coming at us and we're, and we're trying to just survive, right? But as Adam said, if you can sh- shift that and make it work for you spiritually and offer that up and as for repair for any sins that, you know, you may have participated in or your family members or friends or for your grandparents that passed away or whatever, just go big with God because vertigo is a difficult uh, situation to be in. I know that because I have suffered from vertigo for a long time and it's debilitating. It'll rob you of your, your peace. It'll, it'll get you to feel like you can't even get through the day. So if you can turn that around and use it spiritually, you will see a burst, um, of, of, of spiritual growth like you've never seen before. I can attest to that because I'm living proof of it. So I hope that adds to the, the peace you feel today. Yes, thank you very much. And I am just convinced the anxiety that has come with this, I'm just convinced that is all a work of the devil. And doggone it, I refuse to let him take me down. 
Yeah, Grace, and, and in a sense, that's that's why we're saying to turn it around to a good. God can bring good out of anything. So it's not that we want bad things to happen, but God can bring good out of it. And we see that over and over in Scripture and, and in our lives. And so in that sense, you're, you're doing a godly thing and transforming that into mm-hmm. as much of a positive mm-hmm. as you can. And the other thing, too, Grace, anxiety, keep a healthy sense of humor. I I cannot even begin to tell you how it has gotten me through so much. For five years, I have battled similar things like you're talking about. And I will tell you that if I didn't keep my sense of humor, I don't know where I would be today. So keep your sense of humor and it kind of takes down the anxiety a little bit. What do you say to that, Grace? I can do it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good. Well, we're with you. I'll trade prayers. I'll trade prayers with you. you. You pray for me and my vertigo. I'll pray for you. Okay. Will will do. Will do. Thank you so much, and God bless you. You too. Thank you. That was a, that was a beautiful call. I love the Spirit World listeners. You guys are amazing. Okay, let's go to Lou. Lou is in uh, Queens, New York, and Lou is listening on Sirius XM one thirty. Hi, Lou. Welcome back. Hello, hello. It's your stranger from Queens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just wanted to say, boy, I don't know. I listen to your program, and my mind is going a thousand miles an hour because there's so much to talk about. <laughs> you guys bring up so many great points. Uh, I just wanted to go back to uh, when you were talking about the ashes, just briefly. Uh, it, what's what's so beautiful about Lent for me, from Lent through Divine Mercy Sunday, which I think is the best part of our faith, it's just incredible. It covers the whole gamut of everything that... Uh, we, we're taking the palm, we're taking palm ashes from Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and his and his resurrection all the way through again, full circle, back to the beginning of Lent. So, yes, we have to repent of our sins. That's like the, that's the primary purpose, and uh, and we have to believe in the gospel, obviously. And uh, just wanted to make that comment. I mean, you guys are right on the mark about uh, everything. <laughs> oh, thanks for calling again, Lou. It's good to hear your voice. And yeah, it's, and you know, there's another layer to this, Deb, that, that Lou just jogged my mind. You know, when we're fasting, when we're abstaining, and we're giving those things up, yes, it is for self-control, and it is a spiritual exercise. But in a sense, it's also part of the repenting process, right? And so when we think about, we go to confession and we get a penance from the priest for the temporal component of our of our sins. In a sense, we're kind of offering God a penance. And one of the beautiful things that can be charitable is to offer that penance for others, uh, especially if you know we're we're at a good place with what we're working with. Maybe after ten or twenty days of Lent, whatever it might be, to continue to offer that penance for others, maybe that are not repentant at the time. So, yeah, but thank you for calling, Lou, and thank you for kind of inspiring that thought. I hope, th- I hope that's useful. We'll see. Yeah. Have a great Lent, Lou. We'll ho- hope God to hear from you. God bless you both. Th- you too. Thank you. Hope to hear from you again. God bless you, sir. Okay. Uh, Rose um, is waiting so patiently in New Bedford, Massachusetts on EWTN. Hi, Rose. Welcome. Hi. Hi, thank you. I just want to say, first of all, thank you for all you do. I've learned so much from you, and it's you, you are both such a blessing to everyone who listens. Um, my question is, uh, I do know that the 
uh, ashes we receive on Ash Wednesday are from the previous Palm Sunday's palms with, that they burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, mm-hmm. where do we take our palms to to be burned for this? Do we call our parish church? Do we, uh, if they don't want it, what do we do with them? Because uh, I have a lot of old palms that I don't know what to do with, where to take them. Um, that's my question. <laughs> okay. That's a great question, by the way. We used to get that all the time when I was in ministry at the parish level. Adam, did you want to answer first? Because you're actually working currently in your in your diocese. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a number of priest friends over the years that will they will weave the palm into a cross and then they will then give those away. So that's one way. I'm not I've never been taught how to do that, but that's something constructive. Um, I sometimes have kept them. Uh, if there's a large crucifix, I've just kept them near a large crucifix. And, and in a sense, it's kind of neat if I take one a year to see, you know, there's one from each year and, and how they accumulate. Um, or you can give them back to the parish and mm-hmm. see if they're willing to take them back to be used in the next cycle of things. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think, Deb? Well, the, the, that's exactly what I would do, Rose. I would call your parish or your diocese and find out if they are there. They're, I know that in where I live in Arizona, there's a certain parish that will take them all back and then and then they they um, take care of it properly. But if, if somebody, because I do those crosses that you're talking about, I have for many, many years. I taught my kids how to do it. But um, if we were to dispose of those because they're blessed, what would you recommend is the best way to do it? Yeah, so when something is blessed, we never throw it away and we can't sell it, right? Mm -hmm. So if something's blessed and you want to dispose of it, it's either buried or burned. Okay, Okay. that's that's the law. Mm -hmm. Okay, does that help, Rose? Thank you so much. Oh, yes, thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. God bless you. Have a beautiful Lent. Have a beautiful Lent. I just wanted to say to all the um, chats and the comments that are coming in on YouTube and Facebook, Adam and I are waving to you again. Thanks, you guys. What we're going to do is we're going to take your comments and put them into our monthly mailbag show. Next weekend is our open forum show, and you can go ahead and call in and ask your question. But if you left a comment, we will go ahead and put it in our our mailbag. That's great. Growing um, by the second, and we will take care of that once a month. Um, Grace, it, you literally have 20 seconds in, from Miami, Florida, on EWTN. Grace, quick comment or question? No, it was just a comment on um, uh, what you can do for Lent, not to give up, but instead give. Like, give. Go to, um, yep. Perfect. We're going to leave it there, Grace, because you hear the music. Not necessarily give up things. Try to to give and build the body of Christ. We're not going to go ahead and get to the... Obviously, we hear the music. We're not going to get to anyone else today. But next week is our open forum monthly show. We are so grateful to have that opportunity with you the entire hour to answer your calls and take in your questions and comments. We want to thank the show team. Thank you so much, Lori. And Carol, our senior producer, Tim Mott. Well, for Adam Bly, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. Until next Saturday, have a beautiful and blessed week. We'll see you real soon.